0: hey guys and welcome back to the finding your freedom podcast it feels like it's been a year (laughs) since last wednesday um it feels like i've been in boston for forever it's very weird um but yeah i'm so happy you guys are listening today and really excited to share this week's episode with you guys I originally had planned to release a different episode this week that's a little bit a little bit lighter, um kind of just more of a casual conversation and lots of laughter. Um yeah, and like a really fun conversation. Um not that this one wasn't fun, but just a different a different tone. And yeah, I just this week have had some really hard things happen and it just didn't feel, it didn't feel in alignment for me to release that podcast this week. Um, and I felt like this was more what I was wanting to release and what felt like I needed to release right now. Um, so yeah, I definitely have a lot of ideas for a lot of solo episodes to come up, Um <laughs> The more things that happen and we go through, the more, you know, the more lessons we learn and the more, the more we live, the more we have to talk about (laughs) and share your experiences on and help other people through. So I think that will be good. Um, Yeah, still, I guess still settling into Boston and yeah, this week my... My uncle actually passed away, so it's been a really challenging, challenging time, and just creating space to grieve that. Um, Yeah, and I I think I'm going to talk kind of about grief next week or in the next month or so, but I just wanted to say that there's there's no right way to grieve and there's no there's no timeline for how long that should occur so I hope whatever you're going through you're giving yourself the grace for your grief to look um however it does so yeah I will get into today's episode In just a second, it's a great one that I'm really excited to share for you guys. Um, Yeah, I guess I'm just feeling called to right now just to take, um, I guess, a a moment of silence for my Uncle Jim and just the life that he lived and the legacy he had in the world and yeah, the fact that he's no longer a part of it anymore. So yeah, just gonna have a moment just of silence for him. Okay. I hope you guys took that with me and if you did, I really, really appreciate it. So getting into today's episode... So today on the podcast we have Chandresh Boudoirge, um and I absolutely loved our conversation it just um it just lit me up so much and Chandresh is just such you can just tell everything he says is just from the heart and that he's just such um a genuine kind wise soul. So I just really, really loved our conversation. So I'll tell you a little bit about our guests. Chandrace Boudoir is an author, spiritual advisor, and speaker. His best-selling book and podcast, Break the Norms, questioning everything you think you know about God and truth, life and death, love and sex, presents thought-provoking ideas on how we perceive relationships, sex, spirituality, and other aspects of life. With nods from both the Dalai Lama and Dr. Deepak Chopra, Chandresh Boudoir offers a fresh trailblazing voice in the contemporary spiritual teaching. Currently based in Los Angeles, Chandresh has long been fascinated by the incredible power of the human consciousness and shares that the truth must be realized from within. You can learn more about his work at cbmeditates.com or connect with his Instagram at cbmeditates. So I won't hold off any longer so we can get into the episode. All right. So the first question that I ask everyone because it's the finding your freedom podcast is Mm. what have you been finding your freedom from lately?
1: Finding freedom from, wow, I wasn't expecting to start with this. (laughs) So let's (laughs) see. Finding freedom from conditioning. I think it has been a major one for me. Finding freedom from personal suppression. You know, we end up suppressing a lot of stuff unconsciously. So freedom from suppression, freedom from conditioning. These two are absolutely two big ones for me.
0: Are there any like specific conditioning or specific suppression Mm -hmm. that you've been working through lately?
1: I feel, you know, honestly, freedom for me has been such a personal intention for, from the time I started to meditate. Uh, I crave, you could give me, all the freedom available and I would still probably want something extra. That's my hunger for freedom. So, uh, you know, when it comes to conditioning and suppression, I don't know if, you know, because I feel the only thing I know is that I know nothing. So I try to dig into the, you know, my expression, my truth, my meaning uh, for life, my joy for life. And if I feel there's any conditioning that's limiting my expression, or if there's any suppression that's limiting my strength or my empowerment, I try to find my freedom from. And I try not to even go so specific into it because I feel, what if I limit that experience by overanalyzing it? So I don't know if that's a clear answer, but this is, I think, where I'm at right now.
0: Yeah, I think in my own life, I've realized I've accomplished some of these goals and been moving forward. And I noticed the ways that I try to limit those when I'm on a path of continual Mm -hmm. growth. I try to limit that. So I think it's, it's eliminating and finding freedom from any limits at all.
1: Right. I love that. Absolutely.
0: Completely. So I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what's happening right now in the world and just kind of your perspective on everything that's happening. And I listened to one of your most recent podcasts, kind of rebelling with awareness and how mm-hmm. you think awareness ties into kind of this revolution that we're in right now.
1: Yeah, I feel, you know, I recorded another one yesterday. It's called self-realization is the essential revolution we need. And I'm a big believer of that. You know, I, I had many encounters where I've, uh, I felt in the middle of, you know, situations where I had to rebel. And rebellion has been such a strong part of my expression. I had to really find a way out of it because I realized, you know, during my growing up years, even in my, you know, all sort of relationships, this tendency to rebel was so strong. And I, at one point I realized it's not going anywhere, you know, just the act of rebellion First of all, that rebellion was against something, you know, against the system, against conditioning, against so many things. And number two, that rebellion was on the external. I was trying to fight with something or rebelling something which exists outside of me. And that never gave me a chance to rebel what's within me. And I had to sit through it and. Meditate through the answer that maybe the reason why my rebellion is bringing more anger, more struggle, more suffering maybe I'm rebelling in the wrong direction because there might be so much within me that needs to find closure, that needs to find a flow. And I changed the direction of my rebellion, and more awareness started to step in because when you rebel, It happens almost as a reaction to things, right? We react based on how we are, you know, taught based on our friend circle, our belief systems and reaction is what uh, is such a visible part of most, you know, rebellion and revolutions. And I realized what's missing is the awareness because I talked about it in the podcast, which I released yesterday, that I, I was... I felt very close to the Occupy Wall Street mo- uh, movement, which happened a few years ago. There were huge meditations and a lot of teachers were there also. Then Me Too happened last year on such a big scale. Uh, and now Black Lives Matter is happening. What I would love to see is more awareness taking place because nobody talks about Occupy Wall Street or Me Too even today, Right. It's mm-hmm. kind of faded away. It's so sad. Occupy Wall Street has faded away from so many people's memory. Me Too is still there, but it's it's fading. You know, it's not as strong as it was, you know, 10 months ago. And it's a clear case that rebellion has to happen on an individual level. I can, you know, be part of the crowd be and fight against society. But what is society? It's people like you and me, we form the society. And you cannot fight with that belief system. You know, darkness has to be understood on such a deeper level because darkness, you can keep fighting with darkness. It won't do much, but light has to step in so that darkness can find its way out. And I think in what is happening right now, there's a lot of fear, a lot of anger, a lot of hate, a lot of division. But what is not there, or at least I'm not seeing a lot of awareness taking place, I uh, I would love to see more conscious energy taking place and calling the shots you know that's that's what i'm hoping uh, to see
0: definitely and something i've been thinking a lot about is the reason that we do this work on ourselves and become aware of our own actions and emotions is so we can elicit change in the outside world and change in the collective world like we're trying to do now but if we haven't done the individual work on ourselves you know, where is that change coming from? Like unprocessed mm-hmm. anger, unprocessed rage. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have done the work and we're trying to build a better collective future, but there's also, you know, still a big portion of society that hasn't done the individual work to understand their mm-hmm. emotions and their triggers and their anger. And that is kind of Absolutely. coming out
1: absolutely you know, i'll tell you one one interesting thing um the night where when the riots broke out in la i literally told two of my students you know who are who live in la that be careful tonight i think something might just go wrong and they were like what do you mean i said i don't know i was just outside and there's a lot of unresolved anger in people people might be angry from 50 other things and now Some of them may find an outlet tonight and they they could just burn up a house. I don't know what would happen. And, you know, in the looting, in all the riots, there were businesses that were destroyed, which were owned by black people and immigrants who have, who are probably uh, always been the most vulnerable, you know, in in these things. And I was like, okay, you know, that's exactly what my fear was, that this unresolved anger, it's going to do a lot of damage and may not solve the problem and because sometimes you know this unconscious protest it ends up making us a replica of what we are hating you know and uh, that's why i became and i knew i was very c- concerned should i even be making a podcast on this because this would just go completely wrong you know but i could not sleep without expressing it because so many people were you know reaching out and asking my take on it and i was like i can i i I cannot say things that people want to hear. I think I need to say what I really want to say. And that's that we got to rebel with awareness, you know, Uh, you know, like Gandhi said, an eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. That's what I saw. And that's, you know, that's not going to solve the problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I think we're moving forward to people being more conscious, but I also have to be aware that I feel like I'm kind of in this like spiritual bubble where I feel like, Oh, everyone is, you know, kind of been in this work and that isn't the case. And I think we're getting better, but we need to get everyone more on page to, like you said, rebel with intention because, you know, if they were really behind kind of the intention of what was going on, they wouldn't be targeting, you know, black businesses like that goes against the whole intention of the, the anger, if it was, if it was a process.
1: It's unconscious, you know, like if I had a bad day today, I will not be in my complete energy with you. And you have nothing to do with it if I end up just being disconnected, right? And that's how these things were happening. You know, it's just, and people who attack Black businesses, they were probably, I mean, my hope is they were not even aware of that they were Black businesses. They were just so unconscious that they just had to vent out the anger. And, you know, we all do that on a very micro level. But when things are on this bigger scale, it it just has to be tackled with so much love and affection, you know?
0: Definitely. And yeah, I definitely see that. And it's hard because I, like you said, it's hard to know when to speak Mm -hmm. when you have something to speak about this because it is such, it's such a, it's such a hard issue to talk about.
1: It's tough. It's uncomfortable, but I feel... Like I always say this with meditation, you know, the right meditation is uncomfortable but a relevant experience, you know. So don't be afraid of that discomfort. Uh, for me, my biggest breakthrough happened when I was going through discomfort. And the last two, three months have not been the most comfortable ones, you know, the pandemic and then, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement becoming so powerful and big they brought up so many uncomfortable moments from so many people and I've been sleeping so late honestly because there are so many messages that I have to respond every day and it's I had the dreams that I'm having lately and you know they're not poetic dreams I I can guarantee you they're just dreams of the messages I'm reading very scattered and conscious and I have to recharge myself on a daily basis Uh, but it's an uncomfortable work but you know we we never bloom when things are just so perfect right it's our it's a human tendency we sometimes need to go through this kind of journey uh, to find our strength and meaning
0: yeah I I feel like this is very uncomfortable but I see so much purpose in what's happening now and I've seen Mm -hmm. such a shift in the collective Mm -hmm. and then people actually being able to sit with the uncomfortable truth of there, there isn't an old normal that we're going back to. Mm-hmm. There's something different that we're moving towards. And I, I, I really have a lot of hope for what that could be and all of these issues in the collective that I didn't think people would get on board with looking at. I feel like we're really actually starting to look at some of those issues. And it's, um, it's uncomfortable, it's scary, but it's also really exciting and empowering.
1: That's the hope, right? I mean, I can tell you have been on, on a journey of blooming yourself and I can guarantee you that like without even knowing your journey, I think uh, it's the discomfort that's bringing the best out of you. So that's what my hope is for everyone right now, that these uncomfortable conversations and moments, they bring the best out of us, you know, because human being has a tendency to bring the worst out, you know, in most cases. And, um, yeah i think like you use the word spiritual bubble a lot of spiritual community wants to see the good but many times you know that does not exist right we just have to you know call call it what it is so it's it's been quite a adventure to see how the human behavior is unfolding in these moments
0: yeah i've i've also been thinking a lot about spiritual bypassing and i i was never part of that type of spirituality. I've always been very early into my spiritual journey. I went into shadow work and was introduced to it very early. And I, I really just, I don't feel like the love and light spirituality has a place at all anymore. It's about examining the light and the dark and Mm -hmm. really making change from examining the dark.
1: Yeah. Spiritual bypassing has been, it has, it always existed, you know, and people bring this up whenever they come across a situation they don't want to deal with. The, the, their first, you know, solution is to bypass it and label it with some sort of spirituality and, uh, you know, it, it could work out well. Nobody would know it if you handle it on a, on a daily little things, nobody will notice it. But when it's a matter of life and death, when it's a matter of, you know, bringing together humanity, then you cannot you know bypass any of those lessons. And, uh, I I could see there was a lot of spiritual bypassing happening even in these times. Uh, but I think one thing that that's a different in 2020 is there is definitely a lot more awareness of even spiritual bypassing than ever before. Um, so my hope is people become aware that Sometimes they bypass the tough lessons. Sometimes they bypass the uncomfortable moments. And that's not what spirituality is. You know, always thinking positive, always trying to find the good vibes only. That's not going to bring out the best out of us. I think this is probably why I always felt attracted toward the Tantra work because in Tantra, we really witness the dark and light with same awareness. And we don't... Uh, you know, appreciate light more than the darkness we really have equal respect for both um, and that's how I'm trying to you know to witness the whole situation
0: definitely and I think that's kind of a good transition to kind of talk about a few highlights from your story um, and just kind of explain a little bit more about what Tantra is my my audience definitely varies and I'm not sure if any of them have actually heard of ha- Tantra so this will be interesting
1: Yeah. And you know, those in your audience who have heard about Tantra, I'm sure they heard about Tantra as the acrobatic sexuality, you know, where you put your legs on top and then there's some human on top of you and something is happening, which you can't figure out. Uh, That's (laughs) not not what Tantra is. Uh, Tantra is a science of self-awareness. And the key word here is science. It's, you know, in in like normal Sanskrit language, we use the word Tantra, you know, for anything. Like this uh, medium we are using in the podcast right now, you know, through the Zoom call, this is Tantra, the science of, you know, the podcasting. So one could say this is the Tantra of communication, Tantra of exchanging the information. And in the spiritual sense, Tantra becomes the science of self-awareness. Tantra gives you the tools, the techniques, to channel everything you are into higher consciousness. And tantra is the only school of spirituality who, you know, which do not um, put you in different boxes that if you are an addict, you cannot join the, join the spiritual program. If you're a woman, you cannot join it. If you are, you know, going through this problem, this is not the right time. Tantra will not block anyone. It's, it's one of the most, most inclusive schools of spirituality. And this is why in Tantra, you could be the most angry person, most sexual person, most spiritual person. There is room for everyone and the rooms are on the same floor. There's no higher or lower, you know, and you know, a lot of people ask me, so what does it actually means to, to implement the science? It means you bring in meditations, you bring in mantras, you bring in teachings of Tantra and what you see today in the modern spirituality, a lot of that is taken from Tantra. For example, Kundalini, that's from Tantra. Mantras are from Tantra. A lot of meditations you see, they come from Tantra. There are hundreds of specific meditations you know, in the Tantra scriptures and plenty of um, like countless mantras as well. Um, So you name it and there is something in Tantra to enhance the quality of that, you know, uh, vibe.
0: Definitely. And uh, I was listening to a podcast you were on earlier today and I really liked the way you kind of talked about addiction because this is kind of a way I actually think about it too of kind of thinking about addiction from like a Tantric perspective. So I'd love to hear kind of a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, you know, addiction, like the, you know, they call it the recovery, people in recovery. That's how, you know, they, uh, they are called. I almost left L.A. a few years ago. I'm, you know, I, after in, I moved from India to New York, I st- uh, went to school in New York. That's where I started my practice. I still go to New York every month. And uh, I almost left L.A. because I didn't fit in. I didn't find myself fitting in the kind of spirituality the city, you know, was practicing and even what it practices now. And it's like, OK, you know, I experimented. It didn't work for me. I'll go back. And as I was planning to go back and cancel my lease, uh, there was a therapist who was in my talk. And she said, I loved what you talked about, Tantra. Can you come to my rehab and just give this talk? And I said, uh, I have never been to a rehab. I do not have a history of any, you know, drug or, or alcohol or anything. I mean, I've never had a beer, a drop of beer in my life. So I was like, I don't even think they'll relate to me. Or they might see me as just some Indian guru trying to preach about life. And I don't want to do that. She said, no, I think they'll like you. So, you know, why don't you come and I'll speak to the management. And uh, that was quite a process to convince the management uh, that I will be, you know, coming and doing a talk on consciousness and tantra and all of that. And in that talk, a lot changed for me. I realized the people in the rehab, the people in recovery, they are the most honest, raw humans that I ever came across. And I still tell them I was there this morning, the same rehab I was there this few hours ago this morning. They are the people who inspired me to not leave LA because that's a community. It It just opened my heart so much because with everybody else, they wanted a guru out of me, you know. It was this community. They didn't want to see the guru. They wanted to see a human. And I realized, you know, each one of them, they just want to experience something bigger than their you know, life right now. They are longing for a highest expression of who they are. And all they're looking for is a deeper connection with themselves. And society has failed to give them that you know, bigger longing that they're looking for. And as a result of that failure, they are just clinging on to whatever is available to satisfy that longing. So drugs became that you know, medium for, for them. So I started implementing the meditations and practices with them, which helped them to connect with who they are as a human. And I started to open up with them as a human, too. Uh, And I still tell them that I don't know who's healing who. You know, uh, that's a community which has a huge emotional connect with me. I don't enjoy speaking or hanging out in the spiritual festivals uh, because there's so much circus, you know, that happens there. So I usually don't enjoy being part of it. And I do my best uh, to pick an excuse from my book of excuses to skip that, you know, gathering. Uh, But with uh, the people in recovery, oh my God, they're such raw humans. I love sharing my journey with them and I've learned so much by just spending time with them. And Tantra has a huge, uh, you know, connection with that because Tantra will absorb and will not try to fix them, but it will try to teach them to go to the root of the addiction, why they were addicted to begin with, because they were longing for something deeper. So the root is very important, which I think in society, we mostly skip, you know, we focus too much on the symptoms, but we don't go into the roots.
0: Completely. And I just, I just feel it in my heart of, just being around addicts and how just raw and real they are. And right. <laughs> I, I, I just, I so deeply resonate with that and just, I like, I work in the mental health space and that there really is this root mm. issue. That is this longing, especially with addiction, this longing for something that's not met that exactly. alcohol is used. And my, my mother is actually an addict and, mm with her i i was always searching for the longing and i i found it and i feel like that is the way i orient to a lot of mental illness and i see so much so much use in orient orienting to that and seeing what it like what is the need that is not met here and what is the root cause mm-hmm. and that's really really the way that i want exactly. to mental health
1: Exactly. And, you know, but look at you, like your, if your mother has been into the struggle, but she manifested you who's healing people and who's bringing light and strength to others. So, uh, you know, I think it depends how you receive it, right? If you judge her journey too much, if you get frustrated with it, then it might also suppress your raw expression. But it's very clear that you are using her struggle, her challenges to bring out the best out of you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a really healing moment um, last December where you just had a moment and she was like, telling me like, you did everything I wish I would have done. Like you had the pain and the darkness and you transformed it into something beautiful. And I was never able to do that. And it it felt like this moment of just like healing, like an ancestral line in my family. Right. transcending this and it's it's hard to even describe because it was such I can a powerful imagine. moment.
1: I can imagine it's incredibly powerful when your biological source gives you this validation, you know, because um, it just heals the root, you know, she's your root. Uh, and if she's giving you this validation that you have channeled your darkness into healing, that's like such a huge compliment and such a big release, you know, for your suppression also.
0: Completely, completely. So I guess kind of going from what Tantra is and kind of related to mental health, like how can people in their life start to be more conscious? I just, I know, you know, I still have friends and people in my life that, you know, you see them in a fight or you see them go through their every day and it's unconscious every single day. Like how Mm -hmm. can someone start to become more conscious
1: you know there are so many ways but now that you ask me to put put it into words i think the two easy ways that are right away coming to my mind are one of them is constantly asking yourself who am i you know because people think they are this body they think they are this religion they are this belief system and they are the roles they are playing you know but if you become the roles you are playing or if you identify with your with your gender, your job, your belief system, your religion too strongly, then you will become unconscious. There's no other way uh, to say it because these identities, you know, identity from religion, from job, from family, from the lineage narrative, they limit you you know it makes you think that you are this is what your radius is this is what your zone is and you never get to experience that you are more than the body you are more than these emotions you are more than your name how chal- you know i come from a lineage which has a huge respect in india and when i you know got into tantra the first thing i had to practice was shed my identity of who i am so the last name hold such a huge respect for me. And when I had to see myself without my last name, without my first name, without this lineage, I felt extremely vulnerable, very helpless, as if I was on this desert and no one is around there. Uh, But that was such a powerful breakthrough moment for me that this is who I am. These roles, this lineage, I'm grateful to be part of, but I have to constantly relate to myself as a consciousness, as awareness, because, you know, you never know when this ego, this attachment with your identity can become actually a huge obstacle in your healing. So just knowing that you are more than the body, more than the mind, and meditating on who am I, which is a very you know uh, powerful mantra, uh, just breathing in, breathing out, and even practicing five to ten minutes of who am I every day, that's, that will be really good. And off the cushion, meditation cushion, you could actually... Uh, you know, practice what i call p o p pause, observe, and proceed uh what it basically means that if something happens around you or with you and you want to react instead of reacting, just pause and then observe why I want to react, what is happening within me why uh do I you know feel angry? do I have a conscious choice here, and then proceed with the choice that brings you. Joy, bliss, empowerment, and strength what what do you think of it D- does it make sense
0: definitely i'm just I'm just soaking it in um, all the people that I've had people come to me and just be like, "How do I start meditating and um things like that, and I'm just also having flashbacks and kind of just realizations in my own journey and just all the attachments I used to have to the ego. And when you, when you are a perfectionist, all the attachments you have mm-hmm. to your career, to your appearance, to everything. And when one of those gets out of balance or feels low, then everything falls apart for you. And how empowering it is to just be consciousness and always come back to that place it's Mm -hmm. it's like at the end of the day i guess like reprogramming from this this world and just remembering your true self
1: Mm -hmm. it's reprogramming rewiring revisiting your entire existence you know it's it's powerful it takes time so i i would request people to have that patience you know like don't rush don't expect things to move too fast Uh, But an absolute reverence and patience will do wonders.
0: Yeah, and I'd love kind of from there, how like, how does a guru play into this? And I think kind of just debunking some of maybe the myths with what a guru is, because I think people have like a very specific um, image in their mind of what a guru is
1: i think people have specific image on everything nowadays right be it love be it god be it guru be it meditation and i think that's why i recommend people don't overconsume the content you know because you will you will limit your experience of life if you just become too one dimension with these meanings you know the word guru it's very beautiful. Like the literal meaning of the word guru means the one who understands darkness and helps you transcend it. It doesn't mean teacher. It doesn't mean mentor. It doesn't mean coach. Uh, it literally means the one who helps you understand the darkness and then helps you transcend the darkness. That's what guru really means. And the role of guru is very incredible because the truth is, you know, as a human, you are dominated by your mind. You're dominated by your past memories, your identities, and you can travel to a certain extent on your own. But beyond that, you would need that navigation. It's like, you know, you're homeschooling a child. You know, you can, they can read books, they can read comics, they can watch cartoons, animations, documentaries, and it could educate them. But can they become doctor while homeschooling? Can they become an expert in something by homeschooling? And by homeschooling, I mean just them surrounded with 50 books. They will not be able to go into a certain dimension of their journey. They need that extra support. They need that extra strength in that moment. And Guru is someone who constantly makes you aware of your limitations, of your ego, of your darkness and then gives you the support and strength to transcend it. That's how, uh, you know, my guru has been playing, uh, you know, his journey with me. A lot of people assume, especially, you know, my school friends or buddies who grew up with me, they always feel uh, that maybe I get every answer on the plate and things are like that. But it's actually the opposite. My guru, you know, he's my father, and he never even told me to meditate in life. It was purely my own choice, my own natural interest. But after I started doing it, then, of course, he took me under his wings and polished it. But that's just how he has always been. There is absolute spiritual independence that I get from him because when i left i when i left new york a lot of uh, people from his lineage also felt that i am abandoning my you know whole lineage and i'm just going to experiment with something but that was not the truth uh, he knew he was the only one who clearly could see that what path i am on and that's another beauty of guru they will see what you're not even able to imagine right now so things that he told me 15 years ago uh, they're happening now. And he told me, this is what will happen in the next 10 years. I'm like, "Uh, I don't think so that could happen. I don't think so. I'll do it. But he was very calm and casual about it that, yeah, it will happen. It's okay. You know, but that's what a guru does. He could look at a seed and actually, you know, make a clear prediction that this seed is going to become a huge tree. Uh, Without guru, your spiritual path is incomplete. The ego feels that I am my own guru. Of course, you are your own guru, but who will help you realize that, that you are your own guru? You know, my ego can make me feel that I am my own guru and I can just live in that bubble. Uh, But the truth is, there are plenty of moments in the spiritual journey where you need the guidance, the balance, the, the alignment of your energy, where you need to just make some tough calls. And if you have a guru, it changes things. Yeah.
0: Definitely. I think for me, something this is bringing up is like, what is the difference between kind of a guru and like an intuitive guide? Are they like a very similar comparison?
1: I you know intuition is one of the abilities of guru, but it's not really intuition. It's almost like this foreseeing ability to see your journey, to see how your past karmic contracts will unfold in the future for you. I would say intuitive guidance, uh, other spiritual teachings, they all come under the umbrella of the guru, but they are not guru, but they they could be extensions of the guru. Because to be honest, I have uh, had guidance from my guru, which was not based on intuition. i It would be silly to even call it intuition. Like for example, when I was in college uh, in, in New York, he told me, you will be publishing a book and you will be living in California. And that was, I didn't know anyone in California. Even when I moved, I didn't know anyone. Uh, And with the California prediction, he didn't uh, tell me on my face. He told someone who told me after I moved here. So it's not that he influenced me moving, but he told me uh, that you will be writing books. And believe me, I got D grade in my first English assignment. I didn't know how to write and I was almost about to, like choose a different class. And he said, no, keep taking English classes because you'll be writing books. And I said, I cannot even write an article. And uh, how would I write books? You know, but he said, you will. But that's the beauty of a guru who's able to see something magnificent, magnificent, unimaginable that you will do, which could happen eight years from today. Um, but that's where the true power of guru is and a true guru opens you up spiritually. They make you independent. So that's one thing I, I want to share because a lot of people fall into the trap of gurus who make them dependent, you know, rather than independent.
0: Yeah. I think it's intuition is one thing, like what is going to happen relatively soon, but it seems like it's, it's more a person that sees your gifts. It sees the gift that you're, kind of supposed to give to this world Mm -hmm. in like a higher and a higher way that is different than just intuitive guidance
1: Mm -hmm. exactly
0: definitely and i think it's kind of tied to that but i'd love to kind of talk about how how tantra is different between from just religion and kind of how religion is related to fear and shame and how tantra is not (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Antra, you know, so the beauty of Eastern tradition is there was always a lot of uh, freedom and independence in how you want to pursue your spiritual path. Uh, And that's still true for India. Like you could be in India and you could worship a mountain for the rest of your life and you will not be, nobody will, you know, laugh or nobody will doubt or even ask a question. They'll be like, okay, sure. You meditate on a mountain, you meditate on a river. It's And you could also be a deeply religious person and worship, you know, certain goddess. Even that will be considered absolutely normal. In the Eastern traditions, there was no religion, to be honest. Even Hindu religion is not a religion. It's always been a a way of life, a vision. Uh, It it was more like a geographical identity, to be honest, you know. Um, And as, you know, but... It got uh, trapped into a religion because, you know, then human mind steps in and people want to control it. They want to compete with other religions. Then that's how, you know, we then we have isms, Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, all the isms step in. And that's the ego steps in of human who try to control the expression. But I'm so glad there's no tantraism. You know, there's no ism that's attached with tantra it remained very controversial, very open, very independent in its expression. Hinduism has taken a lot of teachings from Tantra, or I could say Tantra took uh, teachings from Hinduism, but Tantra remained very independent. It's In Tantra, there are many layers of how you want to pursue the entire teaching of Tantra. You could be, you could pursue the path of tantra, which is the path of a monk. Monkhood, you know, renounce the family life, be in jungles, and that's one path. Other path is, you know, where you go really dark, you know, where you work with the the spirit, the darkness of the death, and all that kind of work, which is a very specific set of tantra teachers. And then, of course, the tantra that I talk about—that's the tantra. It's a, it's a study of consciousness, and in Tantra, you know, it's it's the nature of Tantra to not limit the teachings, the power of it within a religion or within a certain dogma or mindset. Uh, if I start to limit Tantra, uh, that it cannot be practiced by certain people, or there are these rigid, you know, rules that come with it, it, it will not be Tantra anymore. There is absolute freedom in Tantra. And that's where... Uh, you know, the challenges because human mind doesn't know what to do with freedom. You know, imagine like when people who are so busy Monday to Friday, when they have freedom on weekends, what do they do with it? They don't use that freedom mindfully you know we just don't know how to use our freedom if our partner gives us the freedom to just be what we want to be or just be with anyone we want to be we don't use that freedom mindfully we start to just let our impulses you know take over Um, that's where tantra has gotten abused by a lot of people that they don't know what to do with the freedom that indulgence tantra you know teaches Tantra says you can indulge in anything but indulge with awareness. But people have clearly forgotten the awareness part and they just stick to the indulgence part. Uh, and that's where um, you lose sight of what Tantra really is or what it could become.
0: Definitely. And I, I think to religion, I think people like it because the constructs and the rules keep- mm-hmm keep it safe and keep it understandable. Mm -hmm. And when people have asked me what Tantra is, it's hard to, it's hard to explain because it's, it's almost, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's, it's really hard to explain that when religion Mm -hmm. is such, such a rigid construct. And, you know, I support anyone believing whatever is making them happy. And fulfilled and not causing or putting harm into the world but just I definitely have had a problem with some of the shame that is kind of embedded in those teachings
1: yeah you know I was talking to someone actually this afternoon and we were talking about how the biggest product of religion is fear and shame that's what they use to just sell whatever they want to sell. If you don't do this, you will be, you know, uh, not accepted by God. Uh, if you don't do this, you'll be punished by God. It's the fear and shame. And it's in every religion. I I have, you know, growing up in India and then moving to U.S. and then traveling everywhere. This is one thing that's very common between all cultures. The religion continues to be, you know, uh, shaming people, bringing them into fear. Uh, but the love that arises out of fear and shame, that's not love, right? That's just pain, that's suffering, and that doesn't liberate anyone. And this is why we do not have uh, the healing souls you know, who, who might be very religious, who might be going to church and temples religiously, but are they liberated? Are they unconditionally accepting of humanity? Most of them are not, and they take pride in it, that we only accept people who follow our belief system. And that's where religion has gone so brutally wrong.
0: Completely. And I just feeling into that so strongly. And I I think it gives such freedom to resonate with Tantra and then to be able to have the freedom to make your spiritual practice, whatever it is, to fill your altar with whatever you need to meditate on and I think from that, I kind of wanted to talk about meditating with the goddesses. And I know you've talked a lot about um, Kali and how you work with her.
1: Right. You know, and Tantra has many layers. Uh, The meditation on questions like who am I is one of its first layer. And then there are meditations on different chakras and then, Ultimately, you arrive at the goddesses. You know, as I said, it's a science. So in science, you know, if you enter into science lab, there are many different chemicals, many different ways to experiment. The deities or the goddesses, they are another, you know, huge layer. Uh, And it's it's a very sensitive work uh, to, you know, meditate with the goddesses. Even people who know about them, even they mess up many times because a lot of people uh, would know Kali as either a fierce goddess or a Hindu goddess. And it's very difficult uh, to bring people out of that rigid mindset that she that's one of her forms. But she is, you know, a very formless uh, goddess and every goddess is formless one. There's no one way to define them. Um, in Tantra, we have 10 prime goddesses. Each goddess serves a very significant purpose. Uh, goddess Kali is the highest among all. And then we have other goddesses underneath that. I, I've i been meditating with her, uh, on Goddess Kali for more than 20 years. Um, she's my prime goddess, but I also work with other goddesses that are in Tantra, depending on what I'm working on. Uh, if I was not into this profession, if let's say if I if I was writing movies or selling laptops in Apple Store, then I would be just sticking to Makali. And uh, I don't need to worry about anything else. But it's my job to guide people, lead people into their healing. So I take, uh, you know, strength from a lot of different goddesses. Uh, so And that's where they all come from. But those who are interested in experimenting, I would recommend start with goddess Durga, who is a, a very prominent goddess in his Eastern traditions. She is extension of Makali. Her energy is the energy of extreme compassion, nurturing, a lot of strength. She's the one with the lion, uh, and uh, it's incredibly safe to uh, start your journey with her because Ma Kali's meditation has to be done with a qualified teacher. I would not recommend that anybody just jump in, uh, you know, on meditating uh, for Goddess Kali. But Durga's meditation, she's very motherly, sweet, accepting energy. Not that Ma Kali is not, but it's just the nature of each goddess. They all have certain, uh, you know, set up a certain environment that you need to honor
0: definitely and i'm i'm a part of sahara rose's role, rose gold goddesses so I've, oh, you are. yeah and i i have loved working nice. with the goddess and before i joined that i um i'd heard more about kali but i had kind of the same i guess it, it would be a warning of you know don't don't meditate mm-hmm. on kali unless you're working with someone unless you're ready because it can be a very intense intense process with her energy of kind of destruction um, but destruction in a good way is kind of how I've understood it. I don't know if that's a way you would think of it.
1: Yeah. You know, destruction is a good way. I mean, in the entire Tantra we see destruction as a very creative process. You know, meditation is defined as the death of mind in the Eastern traditions, you know, and the, why it's called death of mind is because it, you know, uh, helps you to go beyond the mind. same as uh, Goddess Kali's energy, it destroys everything that's not serving you anymore. It destroys everything that's limiting your uh, uh, creativity, your healing, your growth, your courage. And for me, uh, her energy was so significant in my growing up years because I felt uh, very misfit uh, going to school. I, I was in a school which was kind of fancy for my town. And I shifted my school, you know, like I, uh, after sixth grade, I was in the school. Everybody spoke English. They c- came from very, like, you know, influential families in the town. And I felt very misfitted. that uh, I didn't want to be part of that group. And I just needed courage to just show up every day in school. That was how it is. Ultimately, I felt the acceptance. I got the acceptance. I made great memories and friends. But still, the courage was such an important element. And then I moved from that little town in the Himalayas to the big city of New York. And same thing started again. Going to college every day was a struggle because, again, I didn't feel I belonged there. And I needed courage every single day. And that's where Goddess Kali's consciousness, it kind of gave me a daily dose of courage a daily dose of strength and I still you know take that from her on a daily basis because I think I will always need that courage and strength
0: yeah I think it's so interesting because people they think oh this is my personality this is the way that I act maybe I'm shy or timid but when you're working with the goddesses with the deities it's you realize that you you have the ability to embody these energies whenever you are needing mm-hmm. support. And it's 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 so freeing as well to know that you can embody these energies whenever whenever you need it. And it has been it's it's definitely been a game changer for me, just being able to it, it's like a different level of support that it's mm-hmm. hard to describe.
1: Exactly. It is hard to describe. And I think uh, sometimes people become too uh, fixed on the mindset that they want to receive the energy in a specific way. And that's where the connection disappears. But I think if you continue to maintain a loving, soft, nurturing relationship with her, then it's very different. It's very powerful. Yeah,
0: Definitely. Um, So I kind of wanted to go back to a little bit what we were talking about with addiction and with mental health because this is something that is really important to me what what do you think tantra has to offer to you know potentially other mental health conditions besides addiction like how can it shine light on depression and trauma and things like that
1: You know, in Tantra, we use the symptoms to go deeper into the roots. I think that's such a revolutionary step to begin with. Uh, Also in Tantra, there's a huge importance on embracing the unknown and aloneness in your journey. So I'll uh, talk about the unknown first. You know, mind always chase the known it wants the known experiences, it wants the certainty, it wants uh, what you already are familiar with. But Tantra encourages you to embrace the unknown, respect the uncertainty of life. And that's where a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, psychological suffering starts to heal. Because you know, when you're suffering from depression, any trauma, one of the reasons is because those memories, they continue to play, you know, and you continue to chase a certain uh, expectation, a certain known experience keeps projecting itself in everyone and everything. But when you open yourself to the unknown, it changes the entire fabric. And secondly, the journey of accepting your aloneness, it's so incredibly beautiful. And in this quarantine Uh, a lot of people reached out uh, that it's difficult to be alone. And what are your thoughts on it? And I've always been a huge advocate of embracing the aloneness because somehow human mind doesn't want to accept that they are alone. You know, Uh, whenever I post about aloneness on my Instagram, there are a lot of people who criticize it. They're like, "Uh, I don't agree with it. I'm not alone. I, I was born with my mother and I'm going to die with my kids. I'm not alone. Why do you say I'm alone, and i like, I could see the discomfort <laughs> that's that's they're trying to convince themselves, and like, okay, so if you die, are you going to take your entire family and friends with you? you will not you know the the money, the possessions, the family they stay here, you know, and you got to accept that I was born and alone, I will die alone in between this i I can make memories, I can have good time i can or I can just hold grudges and resentments It's up to you. But these are such basic and beautiful teachings of uh, tantra that can really start to heal a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, a- you know addiction issues. And one thing that we didn't touch upon, which is such a beautiful part of tantra, is embracing and cultivating the feminine and masculine within you. This is something I really uh, you know see in the addiction uh, you know challenge that the disconnection from the feminine or this connection from their masculine self that also starts to pull them to try on certain substance because you know when you try a substance you are you are escaping something and you are hoping that this substance will fulfill that vacuum it will fulfill that longing that i'm looking for so trusting the unknown Embracing the balance of feminine and masculine, these are just few of the many things uh, in Tantra that we really integrate and input. And those who are interested, you know, when they listen to my podcast, each episode is about Tantra. Like, I don't directly talk about Tantra, but... I'm I've been student of Tantra, so there's nothing else I know. And I constantly connect everything with Tantra, including the revolutions, the protest, and also the healing work. It's all for me, I cannot see things beyond Tantra. For me, Tantra is in everything.
0: Completely and just just so much goodness there. And I think breaking it down to kind of those three things are so important. And I, I think I think for me that i'm I'm so comfortable with being alone, I still am surprised by how uncomfortable people are alone, and in the quarantine, it has really brought that out, and also how much suffering occurs when you are not comfortable with the unknown and and priming yourself with the the truth of everyone's life that we are born alone and we die alone and mm-hmm. i I think that truth allows us to live more fulfilled lives every single day because we don't know what could happen, and at the end of the day, we bo- we are born and we die alone. Mm-hmm.
1: It's the ba- most basic acceptance you got to do, you know, because otherwise you will continue to chase happiness bliss, healing in the wrong places. And, you know, that's when we start inviting just bad relationships or, or toxic relationships because we become so hungry for that support, that validation. And, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't work out well in, in many cases.
0: Definitely, it's, it's using another person to fill the void instead of going into the void. Mm-hmm, hmm Definitely. Well, I haven't asked another guest this, but I, before I got on today, I was just feeling called um, to ask you this is, are there any, and I guess you've touched on this slightly before. Is there any guidance or any energy you're feeling within me that you have?
1: Oh, wow, well, all right. Uh, you know what I really love about you is your willpower you know, your willpower to not settle down for, you know, just anything. I think it's your willpower to grow and evolve that's helping you. And I really love that. I think one of the reasons I wanted to be here because I respected that willpower and, you know, willpower comes in all shapes and sizes, all forms, all flavors. And, you know, a masculine energy will look at a willpower as something which is loud and which is, you know, uh, aggressive. But your willpower is so subtle, so soft, but at the same time, it's so powerful. There is, uh, and I can clearly tell you have been doing such conscious work on expanding and healing your you know, feminine energy, your spiritual energy, your sexual strength, and you are opening up on so many levels. And the reason you're not holding back that's one of the reasons why universe has been supporting you and bringing you so much strength and awareness uh, do you have any specific question about your energy
0: no i i think that that gives me a lot of insight i i think the question within me now i i just moved to boston i just got here um, oh, wow. a couple of days ago and I'm really on this kind of, this new chapter here, lived in New Orleans for a year, uh, mm-hmm. did a lot of growth there. And it's like you said, I feel like I'm opening so much. It's, you know, the questions of what, what's next, but yeah. that will always be the question, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, don't question what's next, because I think if you just embrace the uncertainty of your journey and trust your the process of your awareness it will support you it will not disappoint you you would be in such a such an amazing space you know within you know two to four years from today not that you're not in good space (laughs) you will be in a much better space uh, in a stronger energy because i know you know one thing that I like about you is there is a vision in your heart, what you want to, you know, grow and evolve into. Uh, so keep showing up for that. You know, that's one thing I would highly recommend you: keep showing up for your awareness every day, even if it doesn't make sense on many days. Uh, and do not let the narratives of your mind interfere in the process. You have done so much of the blooming in 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 an organic way. Uh, But trust me, like in the next few years, I think you will shed a lot of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be, uh, you know, the roles you are playing. I think you're going to go beyond the roles. And that's, uh, that needs a lot of strength and courage, but I think you got it.
0: Completely. And I, I can see so clearly what that is related to in my own life. And I know how much I've grown in the past couple years, and I'm just excited to see that continue but thank you so much chandres this has been such an amazing thank conversation thank
1: you my pleasure absolutely
0: where can everyone connect with you
1: wherever they want to uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh on on a on a material realm uh they can connect with me on the podcast that's where i think they'll probably find uh, extension of a lot of stuff that we discussed and second space is my instagram which is CD meditates and my website is also cdmeditates.com. But these are the three spaces I think uh where people can really uh, connect. And I'm finally also putting videos on my YouTube channel, which I opened 10 years ago, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to happen slowly now. So wherever people feel, you know, uh, called to, but I think podcast is where I'm so active uh lately, you know, been putting something every week now. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Well, everyone check out Chandrase and all of his wisdom and all the beautiful poetry on Instagram. It's so many great resources. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome.